Luno, the fastest, easiest way to buy Bitcoin. If you're just getting into crypto, it's the perfect place to start. Hey guys, and welcome back to my show. Today is going to be really interesting. So just bear with us because this is powered by Icon Plus. So a really quick news announcement for you. So this quarter, Icon will not only launch DeFi projects, OMM Finance and Balance, but also upgrade to Icon 2.0. So this will be really interesting. Now this is um, sponsored by BlockFi. You can earn up to 8.6% interest on your USDC, um, on your USDC, I said that really weirdly. Um, and you can actually get, I think it's around $250 when you sign up. So check that out. Now guys, if you are watching on YouTube, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button so you never miss any of these interesting guests. Now today, for the very first time, we actually have somebody who is just a little bit younger than me. Usually I'm always the youngest in the room, but it is Young Investor. How are you doing, Zach? What's up? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. I've just been seeing you around, seeing you grow so much online, and I'm kind of just amazed that you're 13 right yeah 13 now so I have so many questions for you um and I kind of just want to start really with being 13 and being in you know stocks and crypto and all this stuff is, is so unusual so you must get people who are so surprised when you tell them you're 13 what's the first reaction you get well it's kind of like so you know you get you get your guns bad side of people you know you've got your haters and you've got like the 99 percent of people who are really positive so like the, obviously all the positive people are always like that you know that's amazing i'm really surprised i mean right now i've done like three straight interviews on my youtube channel with i did one with yeah. ross gerber he runs a 1.6 billion dollar hedge fund and galley from hyperchange and i just got dave leon investing on and they, you know, everyone's commenting about saying how, how much they love the guests on. So it's all been going really, really well right now. And just there's a lot of surprise. It's also a lot of people who just, you know, are really, um, in a sense, they just think, well, you know, it's how can you be into stocks at that young age? Um, you <laughs> Somebody put in the comments the other day, um, he, I, he, my dad used to tax me 13% when I was like at, at his age on all my winnings. <laughs> So, oh, wow. yeah, so, you know, you always get your mixed reactions, but 99% is always positive. I'm just so blown away because, you know, you're on Twitter, which is just really just an adult's playground. Like, that's just the truth of it. And how, how do you find it? How do you find that? You know, the, especially there's a lot of different ideas on there. There's a lot of um, conversations, you know, it gets very political, um, crypto gets really political, stocks get really political. So how do you find sort of navigating through that and interacting with everyone? Yeah, well, I think if you're on Twitter, you've always got to be prepared for, you know, a bit of hate or else don't be on Twitter. You know, I think you've, it's the kind of thing where if you're really sensitive about something, then you just shouldn't be on Twitter. But I think Twitter is such a place with so many fluid conversations happening. You know, you have one person talking about crypto, one person talking about stocks, two people are both long Bitcoin, arguing about Bitcoin. I mm. think it's actually a fascinating place to see other people's opinions and perspectives on the world in general, whether that's from stocks, crypto or anything else, maybe somewhere abroad or, um, you know, current events. You always get everyone's perspective on Twitter. I think that's what really makes the platform special. Okay, so what about your friends? You know, are they into this as well? Or do they think what you're doing is absolutely nuts and insane? Yes, I mean, my friends aren't, you know, don't really care, to be honest. They're just kind of like, 
I'll call them, you know, we'll do our normal stuff, whatever we do. So if I go out, you know, for for a ride with one of them, you know, socks doesn't come up in the conversation or crypto because it's one of the most complicated and boring things in the entire world if you don't know anything about it. You know, so I think if you just stay away from that kind of conversation topic constantly, then, you know, it's, it's all fun and games, really. Yeah, I love that. I love that attitude. Even in my own life, my friends are not interested in Bitcoin whatsoever. Um, so yeah, you just you just stay away from it. So okay, so you say it's, it's you know boring to everyone else. So how did you first get into it? Yeah, so I used to be a really full full blown history geek, and you, you I'm sure you know the Rothschilds. They built yeah. the very first ever network, which would be able to communicate the best news really quickly. So the whole team of messengers which would communicate the wins. So when Napoleon was against the Duke of Wellington in the battlefields of France in Waterloo, obviously we won that battle, which in a sense saved us from French invasion. But then the Rothschilds sent a messenger back to London because everyone used to rely on their network as most reliable and quickest, even quicker than the military's network. And they came to London, they said that we lost the Battle of Waterloo. The stock market proceeded to plunge 80% as everyone wanted to get their money out and flee abroad before the French marched on London. And then uh, obviously the Rothschilds completely lied and brought up all the stocks when they were down 80%. A few people actually caught on to it on the stock exchange and started buying it up as well. And obviously you know, the stock market immediately round, uh, rebounded. The Rothschilds made a whole lot of money. So it's kind of things like that when you hear about all this kind of stuff in history, which really inspired me to fire, open a stock market account and then further on and then a crypto account. So given, you know, you're, you're doing all this stuff and you've obviously opened up the crypto account and things like that. What I'm really interested in, in asking you about really is, is there any financial education in school? I know you've probably been out of school for ages because of COVID and, and, and all that stuff. But do they talk about this in school these days? I mean, you know, Bitcoin's going crazy. Do, do, is it even on the syllabus? Yeah, so I've been at school for about three or four weeks now, and I've just finished now for Easter holidays for two weeks. So you never hear a word about stocks or Bitcoin at school. There's nothing, there's no kind of financial education at all. And in a sense, that's where the education system really lacks. I mean, I think, you know, investing and investing, just whether that's Bitcoin, whether that's another asset, is just the key to grow wealth in the future. And, you know, older and older you get, it's just simple math by compound interest. Whether you want to take a risk and invest in something which Bitcoin, which might be more speculative, or not for your risk tolerance, whether you want to invest in something which, I don't know, might be the S&P 500 index fund. Either one of those ways is a really a way to grow wealth. And I do think that lacks in the current education system. So do you think that they're ever going to bring that in? Do you think that, do you feel a need to sort of, because like you said, it's the best way to grow wealth and, you know, um, ensure your future and, and so on. So do you think that eventually they're going to bring that in? And also, do you suddenly feel like a moral need to share your wisdom with your friends and other people at school with you? Yeah, I mean, um, I do think that it depends on you. I think we need someone in government who's just all really into this kind of stuff to have had that push through. So I kind of doubt it comes into the education system in the near future. I mean, it's lacked in the education system for the last like 100 years. You know, these days it's the kind of thing where, you know, the whole modern environment has changed. Back when my nan was alive in World War II, you know, when they didn't have running water, hot water, <laughs> And then the bomb, then the bombs are falling down compared to now when it's all online or technology, hence we're streaming live onto Twitter and YouTube, all through technology, all for computers, cameras. So I think it's just really an era of which has changed. So the education has changed with that era. But I do think the one thing which hasn't really changed is just financial education to people. I mean, I my friends like know about all my socks and all that, but I don't I don't push it just because I feel like 
if it's not something you're interested in, it's not something you're really, really interested in. I think it's always kind of a bad idea if you constantly push it on someone because then you also don't get any friends because I think you've got to listen to what other people think about what their interests are as well. But I do think that um, when I put my stuff out on Twitter, YouTube, where there might be, I always hope that some some kids somehow get inspired. I was out in my um, in the precinct like a few weeks, it's like, yeah, last Sunday, and some kid who looked how, like looked like he's about 11 came up to me and said, hey, you're a young investor. Oh, was wow. Like, yeah. And that was the, um, I said, he said oh, he loves my YouTube live streams. I'd never met him before. So that was, that's, that was the, that's the only other time I've been recognised, but it was um, pretty cool. It's just seeing like that, how you inspire people to get into investing. You know, I think it's absolutely phenomenal. More and more people investing, the more and more wealthier you're going to be in that sense. And the quicker you can retire and the longer you can be retired for, instead of working for like the whole 60 years of your life as you know, the retirement age carries on going up. Okay, so how do you have this wisdom though? Like, how do you know about that? Because look, you're talking about inflation, you're talking about early retirement, you're talking about things which a lot of people only in their mid twenties come to. So I'm in my mid twenties and I'm, I, I feel like I'm quite lucky because I kind of figured this out when I was about 22. And I think that's really, really young. Um, so how on earth did you come to all of this wisdom? I mean, did your parents talk to you about, you know, I don't know, uh, early retirement because also with all this you know following and with all with, with this following that you have and with um because you have a really engaged following so with this following that that you have and you know with all this financial wisdom and all, all this investing you're carving out the most incredible future for yourself yeah so my parents like know nothing about finance especially my mom oh, wow yeah i started investing just from like i described earlier about all about history and i mean I had like nuclear while I was doing it. It was all through kind of YouTube how I learned how to invest and through the odd like books. So you can see a book by Peter Lynch back there. So it's kind of just for YouTube. And I do think YouTube is kind of the new university. You can learn everything you really learn at university on YouTube. So I really learned everything about kind of stock, the stock market on YouTube. So it's kind of progressed from the stage where nine or nine or ten months ago I was just investing in whatever. So now it's kind of like I actually dig deep into companies I might get to see on my channel. And actually dig a dig deeper and take that next step into researching into companies and actually deciding which ones are the frauds and which ones yeah. are the next big thing and you know the next really 10x opportunity in the markets so so that's really how I just look at it all I mean my, my the only other time my dad's invested was something like 40 years ago when him, my dad put some money into like Virgin Group or something when IBO IPOs yeah I think it was like he was like 20 then but um, yeah. then the Richard Branson took it like public, private again one week later because the share price didn't do what he hoped. So um, I kind of asked, asked like maybe a month after investing, I got my dad into it. I think he's like, good, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So now hopefully it's more and more and more people get into investing. You know, the more wealth you grow, and all all in like long thirty or forty year time span. So, given what you said about university you know youtube is the is the new university especially if you're not you know if, if you're not doing something like medicine and law then everything else i think <laughs> generally speaking is good on youtube so do you have what are your plans do you have plan no one have even thought about it and do you have plans to go to university or are you just building you yeah i mean i, I just take it as it goes i mean right now i've got my money and all my cryptos and my stocks on one side so it's kind of like more and more you build that I'm aiming for a kind of aggressive but hopefully I want one year salary by the time at 18 saved up 
So that's the kind of thing where you do, where I'm trying to not try not to go university in that sense. I mean, if I want to go university, it's always there. There's no time limit. As soon as you're like 25, you can't go university. It's always there if I want to. But maybe you know, take it take it as it goes um, in time. Yeah, I think I can't give you any advice. I can just give you really informal opinions, which is ditch university and just do what you're doing. Honestly, I just think what you're doing is so amazing. You're obviously so intelligent, and I think everyone is just like so impressed so how do you pick a stock then what are the best stocks for 2021 i mean the, the really first way i look at stocks is you know as long as the financials are sound it's got at least really like two years worth of cash on the balance sheet or it's going to have enough in profit to boost that up i'm trying to look for companies with the lowest which are growing super high growth and extremely undervalued compared to the amount of money or revenue they're going to make this year we want to try and get as low as the p as possible so if you look at something like, I don't know, Upstart, so which is like 20 PE, I don't invest in that kind of company. I want to invest in a company which is like super undervalued, whether that's on OTC markets, whether it's just on the normal exchanges, but something which has just been super um, um, overlooked by investors. So right now, one of my like, biggest high conviction trades right now is a company called Peak Fintech Holdings. They're going to be uplisting to the NASDAQ in a few weeks, and they are basically are in China. And they allow to small family-run businesses to connect with these massive lenders in China and take some uh, take small loans out between them. So that will help boost like the family business, for example. But when the Chinese lenders aren't all online, aren't all as advanced as technology is right now, they're enabling that to happen. It's also Canadian, technically Canadian-based. It's founded by a Canadian person called JJ. So then you've got that risk where you don't get the delisting because it's based in Canada not in China, so you don't get kind of China delisting fiasco. They are expect, I would I estimate around $250 million in revenue this year. I'd expect for guidance in a few weeks, they would say around 150. And, um, you know, for the last few years, they always set their expectations super low for kind of the, um, you know, set it low, kind of over deliver, not um, over promise and under deliver. So that's really kind of their whole moral to, you know, so investors are in a sense more pleased than rather all disappointed when you might be with some SPACs at the moment, which aren't reaching those kind of highs that you want them to. So companies worth around $320 million right now. So if they were to get $250 million in revenue, it's just like a super cheap market cap uh, market cap right now. You know, 10 PE or 11 PE is really not unreasonable on a company growing as fast as this 600% year over year. If they hit $250 million this year, and so like 300% last year. So you're in an industry where and all kind of the growth rates, it's fintech, but you've got super high PEs, super high things which are pricing in a lot of the growth compared to a company like this is super undervalued in the whole marketplace. So that's really how I kind of look, pick socks. I'm looking for the ones which are super under, overlooked. You know, you don't, you, when I look at peak fintech, there's no articles about them. You've got to do really mm. do and um, really deep digging. And that's the kind of stock I want. I don't think there's hardly any analysts covering it. And um, I'd like zero analysts covering the stock at all, which is one of the best times to invest because the smart money isn't in yet. Uplist to NASDAQ means institutions start to buy in $50 million raise to complete institutions. So then that won't affect the float, which is the amount of shares which can be traded on a daily basis. Those institutions will be locked up. So they won't be able to trade this a stock, which will mean there's no pressure on the current stock price with the float right now. It just add to the outstanding shares, which which combined will equal the whole market cap. So I'm just looking for a super overlooked company, super undervalued, which has a super high growth trajectory. And would you call yourself, I know obviously you've called yourself a young investor, but do you are you more of a trader then or an investor? Like how long are you holding on to these stocks? 
Yeah. So with a kind of like Tesla, which is something like 40% of my stock portfolio, that's kind of a three, four year long term hold for me. That's kind of the backbone. That's the strength, you know, super bullish on Tesla. What they're doing is actually transforming the world. EVs are Thomas driving. It's all the future. They're far ahead than all the competition um, behind them. And, you know, look at GM, look at Ford. They're not taking the EV revolution seriously. So Tesla's kind of the backbone at 40%. Strong company, super bullish on it, super bullish on Elon. So that's, that's, so that's there at 40%. There's something like um, peak fintech, which might be a, maybe a one to two year hold. So something like that, because it's more speculative. If, for example, that 5x tomorrow or like 5x in the next year, then I'd re- kind of reassess the whole situation with peak. What are they going to make next year? And if it's kind of the point where, hey, I said this is a bit overvalued now, I would sell out. And if it's not, I would keep even if that was something like went to like that 40% of my portfolio. If it's still in kind of the fair price range for peak. And if I was just getting into stock, I'd be buying it at those kind of prices. So with something like Tesla, which is just super long term, I might evaluate like just three three other stocks, which are like the main holes in my portfolio. Arkimoto, which is an EV company, CleanSpark, which is basically transforming the uh, microgrids. Microgrids enable you to. So when the main power grid goes down, slowly over time, microgrids have been draining power from whether that's your solar panels or the main network. And that can keep your house military a military base carry on running for a certain amount of time. Combined with this, they recently brought a Bitcoin mining division. So they're going to aim to scale up to seven, eight Bitcoins a day. That's the same amount as Mara, but Mara's like five, six X higher than CleanSpark in valuation. And just with that, they're combining the um, microgrids and the Bitcoin mining to try and make the lowest cost of mining Bitcoin in the industry, which then means on top of that, you can then license all this technology to all the other Bitcoin players. So that's even more revenue on top of Bitcoin mining and microgrids then you're also doing Bitcoin licensing for the mining. So I'm just looking for something which is super undervalued. But if there's a company which may be more speculative, so which isn't a Tesla in my portfolio, that's where I, I reevaluate it every single earnings and see if the story's changed. Is the story's changed and you want to get out of it? If it's no longer what you are um, wanting the trajectory of the company to go on, and if it's not, then you keep and then you hold. So you mentioned the three that take up the majority of your portfolio right now, but what would you potentially, can you name us some stocks that you're looking at for the next, for the rest of 2021? Can you give us any clues? Yeah. So, so my main stock right now for 2021 is peak. I just think peak's so undervalued. It is kind of thing with it. Everything went into the domino effect. That could be a 10 X stock in like two years. If the market picks up on it and starts to realize it. And as soon as you get the uplist and the NASDAQ, just how undervalued it is, it's absolutely insane to me. But then I think just in 2021, I'm looking at some of the SPACs right now. I do think a lot of them are like super um, overvalued. So I'm just looking at maybe some more companies like Forest Road Acquisition, which is managed with Beachbody. Um, so they, they're going to be taking three companies like MYX Fitness as well. So that's kind of a competitive Peloton. And they're going to be putting them all under this one umbrella company, which is going to be making like similar revenues to Peloton and Peloton's like, so they're going public a few billion dollar valuation. Peloton's doing something like, I don't know, they're like 40 billion right now. So I'm just, so I'm watching them right now. But honestly, I think at the moment, I'm just fo- focusing on four core positions right now. That's Tesla, CleanSpark, Arkimoto and Peak. Okay, I like it. And you mentioned Bitcoin. So you have to tell me how you initially got into cryptocurrency. Um, and also, do your parents, you know, your parents must know what you're investing in. Do, do they have any concerns about crypto at all? No, my parents don't really know what crypto is. So Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So, so how did you first hear about it? Yeah, so I mean loads of my followers are all I was kind of into Bitcoin like two months uh, like nine months ago. I hadn't really heard of it. So I hadn't really done much re- research. 
a lot of my followers were into when I started picking up on the amount of followers and all of them were like really into Bitcoin. So I obviously do a load of research into Bitcoin, Ethereum. I do it all on the network. And honestly, I've come to the conclusion over the last few months, Bitcoin is digital gold. That is a, that's a currency which will be used to store value on the digital network. People don't want to see the mass inflation at like 40 cent or dollars in like the last two years. Uh, have all been printed in the US. They don't want to have their money constantly devalued as prices go up. They want to have a safe store of value and then they can actually transact in, in the sense instead of having a gold bar which you've got to store. And if, if you don't have enough space to store all your gold bars, they've got pay to store it. Compared to it's all secure online. So more and more as Bitcoin matures and you get that price volatility coming down. And I've also concluded Ethereum is digital gold. You get NFTs, you get tokens. So this whole network, which is built around Ethereum, of just all this kind of different funky, weird stuff. There's come. There's one called Unisocks, which you can just buy like socks. They're actual socks. And I've not seen that actually. I've yeah, so that's that. so Unisocks. I got like I don't know, hundred bucks. It's super speculative. But basically, Unisocks were done by this thing called Uniswap, which is one of the creators in the um, Ethereum network, which is creating code for it. And they issued merch one time about a year, a year ago or something. So the merch is all it's actual socks. And it just oh, I did uni- see. Yeah. I did see this. I remember. Yeah, it all has uni socks on it. So they sold it for about 12 bucks. They're not nice. You know, they're, not, they're nothing special, just socks with uni socks on it. Yeah. Just about a year, a year or a half ago, they sold it for 12 bucks. I think now it's like 8,800,000. It hit a high of $136,000 for a pair of socks, uh, which is which is kind of insane. It says about like 478 of them right now, which haven't been redeemed. So if you get what if you have like one pair of socks, you can redeem what like one pair of socks. You can actually wear them and have it all sent to your dress for free. So that's really the whole that's concept cool. of Unisocks. So it's just one of those smaller things in the whole network, which is super duper funky. It's just got so many use cases around Ethereum. But Ethereum is going to be more of a case. So you're going to have those NFTs. You're going to have all this kind of stuff built around it. But then people aren't going to be, people will be buying Ethereum as a store of value, but also in a sense to be able to transact on the whole network itself. So, okay, so, so many interesting things there. So firstly, I do remember the socks. Um, That was pretty crazy. I remember when that came out. But, okay, so Bitcoin, you obviously see as digital gold. You mentioned Ethereum as a store of value. That's really interesting um, because a lot of people sort of see Bitcoin more as that store of value and Ethereum more as like... currency kind of thing to be transacted like the whole network itself, in my opinion. Yeah, just, you know, like programmable money. And, well, somebody once put it to me like this. Somebody once put it to me as um, Bitcoin is gold and Ethereum is Amazon. The same way you can literally at this point do anything on Amazon, whether it's, you know, watch a film, um, buy things, you know, and those, those two things are completely different. So where do you see all the other cryptocurrencies, you know, are, would, you're obviously not a Bitcoin maximalist. You obviously see a lot of value in DeFi and NFTs. So tell me where you see the most value. I think NFTs is a bubble. I think all great okay. things start with a bubble. We saw that Bitcoin back in 2017. My opinion on NFTs is a sense it's just become so overhyped now. And I think they will crash eventually. But then in five years, six years down the road, you're going to see another surge in NFTs like we saw in Bitcoin. Like we saw okay. all the other cryptocurrencies back in the day, I think all great things start with a bubble and then it's slowly going to build its way back up as we've seen with Bitcoin this year and in 2020. It started to all build it back, itself back up from those kind of 2017, 2018 kind of crashes from its all-time highs. It's like 18,000 and then you had everyone like selling out of it. 
And so now, in the sense, Bitcoin is now owned by institutions. Bitcoin is now owned by Tesla, which is an S&P 500 company. It's been now officiated in the sense where back then in 2017, it wasn't like mainstream accepted by the whole society. I think NFTs is not having that flow of institutional money coming into it. So I do think some NFTs will survive and will be valuable. Some of the original NFTs, but a majority of them will lose more or less all their value. And maybe in a few years, they want to really stand out, which in a sense are actual artwork. You know, there's yeah. art, artwork on the, on the digital. If somebody sees a value in a piece of art because they think it's a phenomenal piece of art, they absolutely love it. It's all on digital and they want to own that one copy of it all online. And they could buy that NFT. So you'll see that you're actually going to have in the future way more kind of NFT artists in the sense you're going to see your bank season that are all going to be developing on NFTs. This is all six years down the road. It's not now. I think it's all starting to become a bit like you've got a load of NFTs out. It's kind of just pointless. And it goes for hundreds and hundreds of thousands. So and that's where I really do see NFTs. I think the biggest store of value in the cryptocurrency right now, which will make the most is Bitcoin. I think yeah. Bitcoin, my price tag on Bitcoin is 300,000. I'm just doing it around the market cap of gold right now. So that's around like 300K. So I'm, I know people like Pomp think it's going to a million. I'm not, yeah. I'm not that full. I'm not full blown Bitcoin maximalist right now, but I do just think it's going to be such be such a superior store of value. I mean, Peter Schiff tweeted today that he finally accepted him, that he was wrong about Bitcoin as an April yeah. Fool's joke. But I think the joke's going to be on him in like a few years when he actually does accept it. If he well, let me ask it. you about that. Let me yeah. ask you about that because I think so. There's this narrative, right, that Bitcoin is the new gold. And I find it so fascinating how they say it's easier to sell Bitcoin as an investment to your generation than it is to sell gold as an investment. I mean, you even said at the beginning of this, um, at the beginning of the podcast, you said, um, you know, you can't carry it around with you. It's difficult to transact in. So although it's pretty gold, it's nice and shiny, um, you know, it's not really something which the next generation are going to care that much about. Bitcoin is an easier sell, don't you think? Yeah, literally no one, no one cares about gold in, in anyone who I know. I think Bitcoin in my era, look at, okay, perfect example. Peter Schiff has a son called Spencer Schiff. <laughs> the guy's the biggest Bitcoin maximalist I've ever seen. He's all in on Bitcoin, 100% Bitcoin. And I think that really kind of does show that kind of stark difference between somebody like Spencer Schiff, who's way younger in university right now, and his dad, who's proper into Bitcoin. You know, now, and he's, I don't know what, Peter Schiff is probably like 50, 60 now. So it's mm. kind of the point where, the young generation is just embracing Bitcoin now. If you have, ask kids about my my age about Bitcoin, most of them are going to have no clue just because, you know, they're that young. They're not really interested yeah. in that kind of stuff now. But older and older, it's going to be kind of Bitcoin will be way more accepted than gold 100%. You know, the older you get, you're going to get people, your friends are going to be, let's say, in, in at least five years, your friends are going to be bugging you about how to invest. I'm absolutely telling you. They're going to be bugging you because you have all the answers and I mean, even my family have been bugging me about Bitcoin and I don't have all the answers. Um, you know, I have some of the answers, but I have, don't have all of them. But your friends are going to be absolutely bugging you. Um, but anyway, why do you why do you think then people like Peter Schiff can't get on board? Even people like Warren Buffett. What's the problem? Well, I think in the sense of stuck in the past, you know, they live with gold for their whole life. Then a brand new revolutionary digital currency comes along. They've seen the growth of the internet in the in the one sense from the early two thousands to now. As many people, I mean, like your age and loads of people have seen the growth of the internet now. Yeah, but it's all they've all seen it progress. But I think especially when you're older, you may be in like seventies, sixties. It's a lot harder to accept 
especially if you've been really passionate about something gold your whole life, even if you start to kind of crave into Bitcoin, you're always going to instead to always reject it, reject it, just because there's one thing in your mind which is always like gold is physical. I can see gold. I can I can yeah. hold it. I can hold it up. I can break it, whatever that may be. But I actually have it. I can have it storing in my room. I can have it storing in my vault. I've got it in physically. Compared to they struggle to see Bitcoin as something something which is on the internet. So you or, or in the Bitcoin network. So they struggle to see how you can actually touch it and how that has physical value. Like I'm recording on the Mac right now. I can touch my. I can touch. I can you know do the keyboard whatever or do the mouse. But the point is that this is all physical and they struggle to accept that and stuff, stuff's just moving online. It's all moving online now. They just can't see that all happening and they just can't, they just can't accept it. So in a sense, I think they're kind of a bit stuck in the past and maybe they were great once, but maybe they're kind of like falling behind the times now. Yeah, I think it's so hard when you made your fortune and you made your wealth doing one thing and then something new comes along and it's just easier to just say, no, that's rubbish because you don't want to have to adopt and, and sorry, adapt and change. And they always say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So maybe, you know, it's something like that. I mean, even my dad, when Tesla um, invested into Bitcoin, I, I was going crazy. I was like, wow, this is so insane. And I told my dad and his first response was, so when are you selling? And I'm like, oh, you don't get it. This, this means hold even tighter, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I, I think it's so interesting. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I was actually telling my, my grandfather, I mean, he's, in, he's 93. I was telling him about Bitcoin and um, he thought it was criminal. And he, his first response was, you know, does your father know what's going on? <laughs> and it, it, it's crazy, you know? Um, so what are you holding then? You're holding Bitcoin, right? Can, can yep. you tell us anything else? Yes, I'm holding Bitcoin Ethereum right now and I've got some kind of funky tokens some people sent me on, on the Ethereum network. So I've just already got Bitcoin Ethereum right now. It's probably like a 60-40 split right now. So I, I just, I'm really big on crypto in the one sense. I think it's the next kind of store of wealth. I do think Bitcoin is going to be a place where it's always going to be that store. You know, you'll see mass um, adoption in the sense that people will now be able to pay with Bitcoin. And, you know, I think that is the sun people talk about the risk that Bitcoin might get deregulated or regulation will come in. I think governments love Bitcoin because it's open, it's secure. They can see all the transactions happening on mm. it. I just think the only reason governments would regulate it or do anything in terms of regulation is just to get their fair share of the taxes side of it. Yeah, That's all, all, all the only thing governments are really concerned about. They just want their fair share of the taxes. You're gonna, for example, you might see a Bitcoin being banned in um, Pakistan or somewhere where in the in the east compared to yeah, yes, somewhere the, here which is a lot more you know completely open you know open speech you know you can have protests you've got all this kind of free speech um the west and the, in the west so it's kind of like they won't it'd be harder to really push a ban on bitcoin but i don't think it's risk of a ban now it's just where they want their taxes and where they want to introduce something but i do think that's the only really real risk with bitcoin there's also supply Bitcoin's completely based on the supply and demand. You have to have supply and demand for Bitcoin. Because somewhere like Tesla, if Tesla builds loads of gigafactories, Tesla does well in autonomy. And Tesla makes in billions or trillions, whatever from all their business sectors. Tesla's stock price would rise with it, obviously. But compared to something like Bitcoin, it does have to be that mass adopted. So in a sense, you've got to have constant supply and demand for it. And yeah, I think I think that's what we're seeing right now. It's more and more people starting to hear about Bitcoin and realize Bitcoin. It's come away from that less illegal activity now and all that talk of illegal activity. And it's now talking to how it's, how it's such a phenomenal store of value. So I do think Bitcoin's got the most potential out of Bitcoin Ethereum. 
I think Ethereum's potential is where you've got the whole network, everything built around that yeah. network to, to transact on it. You can buy paint, you can buy online paintings now for NFTs. You can buy all these amazing kind of things, all these funky things. You can buy new kind of coins on the Ethereum network. Are they going to be worth anything or not? That's a different question. Other places, there's just such a whole kind of whole layer around Ethereum. Then you're going to see Ethereum too, and then hopefully you're going to get gas prices lowered. So I think that's a one thing stopping Ethereum from really having a breakout. Just how much gas costs because it's kind of insane. A few years ago, like last year, it would cost a few bucks. That's like something like 20, 30 bucks if I wanted to buy a coin or whatever. So I think as if you get the gas prices down with Ethereum too, with all the new updates coming to Ethereum, then you can really see mass adoption on the side of Ethereum. So I do think that's where to potentialize. I say longer term, Bitcoin does have the most chance of being successful. I think if Ethereum kind of get even near, near the popularity of Bitcoin and people start to accept it as kind of a whole transaction network, then you could see Ethereum really take off alongside Bitcoin. Yeah, I think you make a really interesting point, just going back to the point about um, regulation, um, because I think it does come down to governments kind of wanting their fair share and wanting to get their cut. Um, because like you said, you know, there was this concern initially that Bitcoin was um, the best answer, the best vehicle for criminal activity. And as we know, with blockchain technology, that's obviously not the case. Everything can be tracked and traced and cash is far better, um, you know, to, to use if you want to like launder money or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, that narrative has definitely been broken down, I think. So in Nigeria, they 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 put some they put some heavy re regulations there which stopped people from trading and then it ended up trading at a premium but i think they actually went back on that i need to check it out but i think they reversed it because yeah, they sort they of realized like that fees or something on to even get more bitcoin they're paying like 90 grand of bitcoin even yeah. though it's made illegal in nigeria just so they could actually own bitcoin so i think yeah in african countries is there for bitcoin you know bitcoin could be the solution to africa some of africa's poverty in the sense i, I don't go full in with some of that kind of argument i see people always seeing saying our book was the answer to Africa. Africa's super poor in itself. So I think the first thing for Africa is actually getting all that technology into it. So I mean, something like Starlink could really solve that as you can get it in without building all the wires. You can have it all beam down from the skies because as I said, more, more SpaceX rockets into the sky, which gives Starlink a huge advantage. So I think the main focus for Africa in a sense is just technology um, and growing. But then if you start getting getting the phase of more technology going to Africa, which I think is really the last continent to be taken up to some sort of modern standards, how, how, how the West is living, or maybe somewhere in Asia, or, or, or even China in that sense. And as soon as you get kind of that standard starting taken up for all the African countries, then you could see Bitcoin become a solution to Africa and helping more people get out of poverty in Africa. But that's, that's, that's my view on that. I don't know what your original thing was. Well, no, I, I totally agree with you. That's one of the main things actually that drew me to this space initially. It was literally blockchain in Africa, like Bitcoin aside, there's this whole blockchain in Africa movement. And I'm absolutely fascinated by it because there's this idea that Africa are going to skip industrial revolutions and, you know, are just going to be totally um, unbanked and that'd be absolutely fine. But I think that's where DeFi comes in a little bit. And I'm not, I'm really kind of uncomfortable with DeFi. I like it. I get it. But I think it's really hard to, I find it quite hard to navigate and, you know, and know what's good and what's not, honestly. There's just been so many rug pulls. But um, I was actually doing an interview with a company called, um, I think it's called Zend Finance. And um, they're huge in Nigeria. And I didn't know this, but apparently there are, there are limits about how much you're maybe allowed to spend or trade. I can't remember, but apparently there's like a $100 a day limit on, on, 
on something in Nigeria. And I was absolutely blown away. And these DeFi protocols are out there making a difference. And, you know, I thought that was insane, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think DeFi has got potential, but I do. I just find it quite hard to, you know, go through all of it. Yeah. See what, see what is which, what is good or bad. So I think one day I need to just see a full blown thing into DeFi. I'm just spend like instead of looking at stocks, it's just like DeFi, DeFi, DeFi. Then kind of get your head around it and actually decide what's good or bad. I think right now I just stick with kind of my core kind of thing, which is Bitcoin in, in, in my in my kind of mind. I've got my I've got my theory, my sixty forty split, but then I'm super big on kind of Bitcoin as like the main thing. I think I actually own some um, GBTC, which is basically Bitcoin on the Ethereum network. It's backed by one Bitcoin, so you basically it follows the exact price of Bitcoin. And I say I, I own some of that as my Bitcoin holding as well. I think. Nice, that's amazing. I'm sure you, there have been some amazing comments, by the way. Just to let you know, I'm sure somebody will um, give you a DeFi, give you some DeFi tips in the comments. I'm sure someone will reach out to you. So, guys, follow Young Investor. He's absolutely amazing, and give him some DeFi tips. But I wanted to ask you, have you, were you following the Robin Hood scandal with GME and AME? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of vocal in the kind of Robin Hood scandal. I think GME, I mean, it's still like $170 right now. I think the more That's first crazy. run, I think the first run of Wall Street bets, it's brilliant. You know, it's squeezing it to a short as they manipulated your stock prices for such a long time. And the sense now it's becoming kind of a new face of investing, which I kind of think yeah. you don't want. It's kind of the face of investing is Wall Street bets. That's not, you're not doing, I mean, look at, you know, someone like Keith McGill, who's Ron Kissy, you know, um, all, all on Reddit and all that. The really first person to be proper into um, GME at $4. He'd done his research and he concluded it was super duper undervalued. And he's done like, he did hours of DCF modeling on, on the thing, mm-hmm. on all his live streams from back in the day. There's one live stream which only got some like one person for like a four hour live stream in the chat. So I think he was just looking at those stocks as the kind of thing where Jimmy's super undervalued in Wall Street, and he started posting on Wall Street Bets Reddit. And Wall Street Bets was his really first ever big pump of Wall Street Bets to actually proper start influencing the stock market and going beyond the realm of penny stocks and into the big cap stocks. It's like worth a few billion dollars. So it's a GME. I do think the second round, the second time round, which you're seeing with a lot of the companies, maybe it's kind of a bit where it's become the face of investing, and then so many people have lost money for the GME, all the GME saga. Yeah, There's some random security guy who's like 26, and he took out like an $11,000 loan, which was all his net worth, which he had done it all on, to put it all on GME at like 300 bucks, which is a bit, come on, mate, that's a bit insane, and you lost it all, obviously. So it's kind of thing where yeah. it's kind of become the new face of it, whether that's gold or not. I do think Robin are blocking. The trade yeah. is like super, there's something shady going on in the sense. But I'm starting to think whether it is actually Robin Hood or not. Because originally then I was kind of all set on it's Robin Hood, but after doing a bit more research into it, it seems it seems in my eyes that somebody at Citadel who's holding the tradings for Robin Hood, it wasn't just Robin Hood affected. Robin Hood got slack, but we bought they all shut they should all shut it down apart from SoFi. So I do think that looking at all um i think maybe there's something shady going on that might be for citadel so something like citadel securities which is the transacting of all the kind of inflow of orders which i'm sending every day or whatever you send every day and which is transacting them by themselves and then citadel which is a hedge fund they both own by the same company but they said there's no collusion there's obviously some sort of collusion the ceo is the exact same with both companies there's absolutely no collusion they said so there's yeah. definitely been collusion somewhere in my eyes in the network the problem is solely to blame for that. I don't. I don't. I'm not too sure if that's really the truth of it. 
Yeah, I was watching um, an interview that the C CEO did. I think it was his name, Vlad or Vladimir yeah, or something Vlad. like that. Yeah, Vlad. So he did an interview, I think it was with CNBC. And do you ever get when you're watching someone really closely and you're trying to listen to every single word they're saying to really try and understand? And I swear to you, he said nothing. I really got no, you know, they asked him, was it a problem with liquidity? No, it wasn't a problem with liquidity. Um, and literally absolutely nothing, you know, it, it was so insane. Um, but also there are some questions for you in the chat. So I'm wondering, would you wanna do a, a little AMA really quickly? Are you cool yep, with that? Sure. Fire yeah, okay guys, so if you have any questions for our young investor, drop them in the chat now. So there are some really interesting ones um, and one which I wanted to ask you, but I actually forgot myself. So here we go. <clears throat> Wondering if he had any issues opening up trading accounts because of his age. This kid is impressive. Totally agree or really cool. So did you have any uh, age restrictions? And even on Twitter, is there an age, minimum age? Well, I'm 13, so like I'm in like the Twitter restrictions, but just, you know, just right now. But okay. I think with the trading account kind of their story. So I just got my mum to open a trading account. So I just do it all in her name. My mum's got like no clue what I do in my trading account. It's just like, well, you know, she's got absolutely no clue about anything about finance at all. So I just got my mum to open it. So I can do it myself, obviously, because I don't pay taxes and I'm not yet 18. But I think it should be like something like 16, just because at 16 you start paying taxes anyway. So it's kind of like, well, if you pay taxes, you should be allowed to invest in the stock market legally anyway. At 18, then I'll probably, I'll probably just transfer it all to my, when I open a new account at 18, I'll just get it all transferred over there and just send it directly. Um, I think you can transfer your stocks now. Really do it in the states, but I had to check with my broker in the UK. <laughs> I love that you have that. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, it, it's totally the same thing. I remember when I was when I was younger. This sounds really weird because usually I'm always the youngest in the room, so this is a really strange experience. Um, but when I was opening up a Facebook account back in like 2006, 2007, I wasn't old enough either. So I feel like most of the people on social media aren't aren't old enough. Everybody sort of like jokes about their age. But there are a few more questions. Someone says, "How old is he?" So go on for those that don't know. Thirteen. Um, I turned thirteen like two weeks ago now. So yeah, it's been so yeah. So thirteen two weeks ago last Sunday, and then I got my new um Mac for my like birthday, which is like a one-off kind of birthday present. So that's why I do my interviews on now. So before I used to use like my my little phone, but now it's like really all improved quality. You know, got the microphone and everything. So really improved quality in terms of you know, camera. In terms of what's my what was your first big loss and for how did you react yeah. i haven't like i haven't had a you know like a big a big loss which would really be sizable i might have lost like 10 percent of stock my soul before i haven't really experienced that big loss i'm sure i will at some point but i think just because you've invested for nine months it's always been a super bull market for the last nine months i don't think it's kind of a bit harder unless you're going super all in on penny stocks or kind of a hype play i might have got into maybe one or two kind of stocks that i only put like i don't know 50 bucks into is kind of a Super spec play where I might have lost, I don't know, like ten percent or whatever. There's nothing really which kind of in my core portfolio which I've actually lost loads of money on. Okay, cool. Let's have a look what else we've got here. Um, so many questions. All right, I'm gonna I'm trying to get some friendly ones. Here we go. What do you look for when investing in altcoins, specifically DeFi tokens? We did kind of touch on this, but go for it. Yeah, so when I kind of look I'm looking for something which has been around for a while. Number one, I'm not I don't want to buy something that's completely new. So use socks, it's just kind of the main thing I'm in. I look at socks as something which was originally experimented about one or two years ago. Super not hyped at all. 
So socks is starting set for twelve dollars. There's an experiment. It's literally experiment, but the creators of Uniswap, Hayden Adam Jones, and all, all the guys over there. And they did this huge experiment. And the guy I know who I did, I think with once Mike DeMaurice, he brought into he brought some like ten socks. That's something like twelve bucks. He he's like a sock. He's what I call the only socks maximalist in the entire <laughs> world. He's like full blown socks. He wears socks. He wears with uni socks on it. He wears like hundred thousand dollar socks. He's like full blown. He's for like full blown socks. So I think unlike some, it can be copied. Like those stuff on the network can be not exactly copied by some of the code. But some like uni socks. Yeah, somebody else can release their own kind of socks. I think something yeah. like that, which has been on network for way longer than all the new kind of things coming into it, is something which is really cool. And I, I haven't brought any NFTs yet. I'm kind of browsing some, like I know Gally from Hyperchain Troy interviewed. He, he, when he buys NFTs, it's not because he wants to make money on them. He actually appreciates what they are and what the art artwork is. Okay. So I'm not super involved with kind of DeFi right now. I do. I just. I think I just need to do a few miles of digging into it and really start to conclude what is that greatest, what is the best, and what is the worst. I do think it's more maybe established stuff right now. Yeah. Well, you're getting a great fan base here, so I'm sure some. No, like, I'm sure somebody's going to come and help you with some DeFi info. Um, here's another good one. Where did it go? I want to put it up on the screen. Da, 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 da. I, I, here we go. What's his hottest penny stock drop? Yeah. So the kind of one like. One which I got super high conviction. I own like a few. It's like five percent of my portfolio. I think super high conviction is peak. It's not fully a full blown penny stock, but it's around three hundred million dollar market cap. So it will move like a penny stock. Also, one of the things I will add to peak because I talked about it earlier. It's how well the stock price holds up in terms. Of if you get a correction or something, you know the whole market's been in downturn. Peak during when all the growth stocks like Tesla they were all down like five percent plus. Peak was down something like zero point eight eight percent. So I also think Peak's really the only penny stock I've seen where people invest in it actually know what they're invested in. They've actually done the loads of research for it. So I, th I think Peak's my like top one. I won't repeat everything I said, but if you just mind it back, then you can see what I was saying a minute ago. All right. And just last question for you, because um, I want to dig in on this right at the end. Do you plan to leave school ASAP? Oh, what a great question. <laughs> no, I, like, I'm probably going to say school to like sixth form or something, but... Further education, university, maybe not, maybe. I'll just see how it goes. But yeah, I think I feel like some of my friends did homeschooling, like after they left oh, really? primary school or something. Yeah, I didn't really keep in touch. I know they're like super good friends. And so I think homeschool is kind of thing where you just kind of lose social contact with people. I think it's always good to be in contact with people, you know, have that kind of social interaction. Social interaction because we've seen with, you know, COVID, when you don't interact with people and how much it damages people's mental health and all that kind of stuff. So I think school's always like a great place to go to, but maybe not even maybe not further education. I think you're so intelligent, and I think that you are in the most incredible position I've ever seen someone of your age be in. You know, not just you're not not just having an understanding of finance and being able to trade, but also your understanding of the world. Um, you, you know, like I was saying earlier on Twitter, there's so much conversation. Um, conversation about the world, right? Like e even conversation about COVID and how we as people should react to that, you know, and whether it's our responsibility or your responsibility and all this stuff. And I just think having exposure to these kind of conversations, I I'm just honestly so blown away. I, I think you're absolutely incredible. Somebody's just written, lol, she's interviewing a millionaire kid already. <laughs> I mean, I won't ask you about that, but no, I, I, I think you're honestly so fantastic. And um, I just want to wish you the best of luck with everything that you do and also one thing that I will say 
is um, just continue to do what you're doing. Don't let anybody pull you off track. Don't let, you know, people will be jealous and just stay focused, do what you're doing. Um, because I, I, I've never, ever seen someone so intelligent and just so on it and so worldly um, at such a young age. I just think it's fantastic. So there you go. Those are my thoughts. Um, what are you up to now and how can people reach out to you? Yeah, so you can watch my YouTube channel, which is Young Investor. I've had a few guests on recently. Go watch, watch go watch like three videos ago of like I was doing those stock videos. So you can watch it on there or you can follow me at, at Investor2 on Twitter just just look up young investor i should be like near the top or first search result when you look that up so yeah that's really my like two main feeds and i've also got discord group and there's a link on the pinned um comment of my twitter for that there you go i want to thank you so much it's been such a pleasure and um guys don't forget to follow him he's a little genius he'll make you a genius um so guys give him a follow and thank you all for tuning in i will see you next week bye bye thanks everyone.